So today, what we're going to share is titled Your Responsibility to the Church. And this sermon is intended to awaken attention and to serve as a guide to the main duties which each of us owe the church. It is not proposed to point out every detail. It is not going to talk to us about our duty to God or our duty to one another per se, even though it's related, but our responsibility to the church. And it is my prayer that God, who himself is here as Christ is the head of the church, will open our hearts and minds to receive the teachings, your responsibility to the church, to keep this in our hearts and practice same in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, what is the church? For this, I would like to read from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 19. Matthew chapter 16, 13 to 19. I read from the New King James Version. Let's hear the word of God. Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you by my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven thanks be to god the passage we have read is how the church i would say was introduced jesus said to peter 
you are the rock actually peter means rock and upon this church upon this rock i'll build my church what is the rock that jesus referring to indeed the rock jesus was referring to was that confessional statement revelatory statement that peter made you are the messiah the son of the living god that is the rock and jesus said on this rock the rock that i jesus i am the messiah the son of the living god i will build my church so the foundation of the church is on the fact that jesus christ is the messiah the son of the living god and he said he will build his church I want us brethren to note that the word church as translated here from the Greek version is the word ecclesia and ecclesia means an assembly a congregation a convocation an assembly so even at Jesus' time when he was alive on earth in physical form people were assembling in greek for example in greece for example when they say they're going for ecclesia it is men of age that will meet to discuss on issues relating to the nation states they will meet in the fields in the arenas and for those who can afford in the ecclesia tyrion which is the building of assembly People, the Jews were assembling in their temple called the synagogue. But Jesus was saying that I am building a special assembly that is built on the foundation that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the church is an assembly. Indeed, the church is an assembly of all saints, live and dead. And the church also is all over the world. We have what we call the universal church. The church in Ghana, in Nigeria, Burkina Faso, in the Americas, in Europe, Asia, Australia, they all constitute the church universal all over the world. But we also have what we call the local church. And the local church is like this one where we are. It is that place where you feed from, where you assemble to meet others who believe that Jesus Christ is the Christ, the anointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. So when we assemble, we assemble on that rock that Jesus is the Messiah. Any church in quotes, that will meet not on the foundation that Jesus 
is the Christ that he was brought to die for us the anointed one the blessed one who came to die to save us if that church is not confessing that it is not a true church so now that we appreciate church for what it is as we have assembled we are the assembly of those who believe in God the assemblies of God the assemblies of Christ because our meeting is on the rock that is Christ the Messiah the anointed one let's clap for our Messiah the head of the church I'll go straight how should church members be involved in their local church? Remember, the local church is where you are. So even in Ghana, there are several churches in Ghana. Let's say the Methodist Church, the Lighthouse, ourselves, the International Prairie So There are several. We all believe that Christ is the son of God who came to die for us. However, you may choose to congregate to assembly with a particular church. That is your local church. I hope that is clear. Good. So, if you are in a local church, what are your responsibilities? What are the duties you have to the church? Remember, we are saying this because as a growing church, we need to be aware and in the awareness we become, we be practice what we hear what we are i'm going to say is not limited it is more but this is what i want to discuss god grant us the grace to appreciate it number one our first duty is to pray for the church Why do we have to pray to the, for the church? Number one, prayer is the communication line between us and our head, Christ. And as individuals, we have to keep on praying so that we maintain communication. We are praying to God in the name of Jesus for the church so that the Holy Spirit which who the Lord himself sent to be our helper, will take absolute control of the church. And the Holy Spirit takes control of the church. It will also take control of the members. Indeed, a church in which the Holy Spirit rules, reigns, is obvious. Because you can see the life of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, expressing in the action of the church and by its members. You see that there is unity in the church. You see that there is a life of holiness in the church. You can see the members increasing both in the knowledge of God and in the exploits of God signs and wonders showing. And the community becomes aware and say that this is a light where when we go to, you can get deliverance. 
we can get direction. So we need to pray for the church so that the Holy Spirit holds sway. A church, which if we don't pray for the church and we do things that grieve the Holy Spirit, it affects, and you can see it in the life of all of us. And of a truth, if each member continues to pray to the Holy Spirit on behalf of all of us, and collectively we do the same, the church is blessed. But how can all of us as an assembly be blessed and you, a member, not be blessed? So when you pray and the church is blessed, you yourself are blessed. And it's a wonderful thing. So number one is what? Pray for the church. Indeed, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. And it continues, for example, in Colossians 4 and 2, say, Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. The Christian's lifeline is prayer. So pray. I will pray also. Duty number two. Attend church, let me say, meetings regularly. Let's see what the Bible says on this. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 to 25 reads, New King Version. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exalting one another in so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what? We meet to tear up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. This is the word of God. Why should we come to church regularly? Come to assembly regularly? If church, as defined, is the assembly of those of us who believe in Christ, and assembly is a gathering, and you choose not to be going to the gathering, do you belong to the gathering? It means you are distancing yourself. Is it that not so? Now, as we assemble, certain things happen. Something that some people will say synergy, others may say synergy. That's when one plus one is not two. In Proverbs 27 17, it is written, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. In other words, when we group, we sharpen each other. Now, our mothers who still cook or have cooked with 
coal pot before. You will note that in using the coal pot, you put the charcoal and you fire it, you ignite it. As long as they are together, it will be burning. But if you decide to pour out the coal, the fire, and spread and segregate the charcoal, the burning coal, the burning charcoal, what happens? You see that they will start quenching, dying. The flame is going out of them. So as long as they are together, they sharpen one another, ignite, and the fire goes on. That is a physical example of why it is important that we congregate. Another thing I have seen in National Geographic is that predators, animals that feed on weaker animals, like the lion, the cheetah, and co. Normally, you see that they will attack weak like the children the children or the older or weak animals that have separated themselves from the what do we say from the flock or the group of animals so the instant you isolate yourself you become a target to the predator even the very young ones once they are in the midst and they are congregated they are protected by the stronger ones so if you are in an assembly and you choose to move yourself out, know that you are setting yourself up to be a prey. Now, something interesting comes up. In Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8, it is written, first Leviticus 26 and verse 8, New King James Version, Five of you, five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. Five people will chase a hundred and a hundred will chase ten thousand. It looks like for those of you good at arithmetic mathematics, you say in the five instances, it means each person is chasing 20 persons. But when they become a hundred, chasing 10,000, each person is now chasing a hundred people. It's interesting. How can such things be? In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30, there's a question. How can one chase a thousand and to put 10,000 to flight. Unless their rock has sold them and the Lord has surrendered them. How can one chase, put to flight a thousand and two ten thousand? You can see the numbers have increased. But here they said, unless their rock, whoever they believe in, has forsaken them, which means that you can do so if your rock the one we believe in, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God is with us. Then we can chase one, can chase a thousand, and two, ten thousand. Why? Because we are coming together. We are assembling. That's why we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves. In Matthew 
chapter 18 verses 19 to 20 something interesting is said it's again i say to you that if two of you agree on earth two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask it will be them for them by my father in heaven why for where two or three are gathered together in my name i am there in the midst of them so can you see that when we are together and in agreement our rock is with us and there's nothing more powerful than we are brethren stay connected do not move away from the assembly attend church we come to church to worship to pray to praise god to work together to expand propagate the gospel to build each other up exalt ourselves stay connected active attendance makes everything possible don't run the christian race alone stay what connected thanks be to god so number two is what attend church regularly number three is to promote the peace let me say unity of the church promote the peace unity of the church this is very important because you recall we said where two or three agree if you don't agree can you be in unity you cannot i remember in psalm 122 67 david says pray for the peace of jerusalem may they prosper who love thee peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces that was david praying and paul exhausts us in first thessalonians 5 12 saying be at peace among yourselves and in romans 12 18 he says if it be possible as much as lieth in you be at peace with all men i remember jesus himself saying that in john 13 34 to 35 a new commandment i give unto you that you love one another as i have loved you that you also love one another by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another and psalm 133 verse 1 says behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity can you dwell in unity if there is no peace can you dwell together if there is no peace can two work together unless they are agreed it must three three so we must promote the peace of the church there are some things that do not help 
promotion of peace. They create strife, conflicts in the church. Some of these are gossip. Controversial decisions. Sexual scandals. What do you call factionalism? Forming groups. We are for this person, we are for that person. There are many more. But it will be expanded more on Wednesday during the symposia, which we'll be having here. Please, even the way we talk about how some people worship and the way they dress can break conflicts. Conflict is not good for any church. So if you are here and you will accuse other people wrongly, remember that the accuser of the brethren was is who? Satan. You are becoming Satan's agent. If you are here, oh, I remember what that he what most was saying the last time at at um, give thyself holy. If you are here and you move to and fro from one person to another talking about things and creating division who was going to and fro before he went to heaven to ask permission to uh, oppress Satan then you are also an agent of Satan please for peace to prevail in the church we should be able to be considerate, not thinking we are always right and all holy. No. We should be able to tolerate others. As a matter of fact, um, in Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 14, this is the character of the new man. Therefore, as the elects of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, tolerating ourselves, and forgiving one another. What? Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Promote peace. Promote unity in the church. Quarreling, gossip, and divisiveness should not mark the life of the believer. But one thing hit me as I was meditating on this. As believers who have accepted Christ and invited the Holy Spirit to dwell, dwell in us, we are the temple of the living God. So my brother, the Spirit of God dwells in you once you have invited him. He dwells in you, 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 you. Everybody. If the whole Spirit of God dwells in me and in you, 
he has found you worthy to dwell in you. Who am I? Who are you to look down on somebody in whom the Holy Spirit lives? If for nothing at all, honor the Spirit of God in the person. Let's honor ourselves even as we congregate, as we assemble. In the name of Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, what? The children of God. So point number three is promote unity, peace in the church. That's our responsibility. Responsibility number four. To guard, guard the good name of the church. Oh, guard the good name of the church. Look, we are not unaware of the tricks of the enemy. Where is Sister Celestine? Uh-huh, I remember. The enemy seeks to hurt the church. And to do this in every way possible, one of them is to create what? Strife. And when the name of the church is made bad, tarnished, the church loses its glory. The people cannot look up to the church. And so then we become a laughing stock. Oh, what sadness. So, once you are in the church and we call ourselves Christians, remember that Christ means the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. So, with the Holy Spirit in us, we are also anointed to live holy lives. You, myself, are the living Christ. His instruments of reconciliation. He thinks, speaks, and acts through us. So what you do is how the world sees. If you say you love God, you read the Bible and everything, you are doing that in secret. What people will see is what comes out of you. And that is what will promote the good name of the church. Promoting the good name of the church also means that you don't just go out of the church with rumors from the church and start broadcasting the rumor. In fancy, what's your being funny? Nobody will lose their left hand to point to his father's house. Should we do the same? But then, it is not befitting for such things to happen. But amongst Christians, some are still maturing. And such people need to be taught. And also need to know that if there is something they don't understand, there are ways to manage conflicts in a Christian setting. Amen? Just a backtrack. In Acts chapter 2, when the church began, they were meeting in temples and in people's homes. Later on, there were conflicts because some widows were complaining. But leaders were set up 
and rules were put down in the house of God there is order if there's anything you don't understand there's somebody who will explain to you approach the elders and things will be explained to you of course if there's something not good in the house of the Lord will not tolerate it amen Duty number five. Exercise your gifts. What did I say? Exercise your gifts. Hmm. Each of us have been given the ability and the command to serve the Lord in some capacity. Everybody. So we as members in this assembly should each identify the gifts that are in him and polish, hone, develop those gifts within the assembly. We have apostles, prophets, priests, evangelists, You may be one of them. You have to exercise this within the local church. We have others who have give, been given different talents. It can be the talents of singing melodiously like our choristers. It has to be developed within the local church. Maybe there's somebody here who wants to sing, but voices are developed. If you Go to Brother Edwin, Sister Becky, and Co. They can help you polish that. So identify your gifts. Develop them and exercise them in the church. After exercising them here, it can now go out to help others. Remember, here we exhort ourselves, we edify ourselves, we help, encourage each other to be better. Remember in Hebrews, it was seen as tearing up each other to love and good works. All those things must be exercised here. So don't hide. Don't just sit there doing no contribution. I remember Papa last week telling us Saturday prayer breakfast that the assembly, the word that was used when Paul was talking was more like the assembling of something in a car to assemble a car you need steer you need headlights you need transmission you need a suspension so much more but you put them all together for the car to function properly Jesus is the head we are the body and each person has a role to play exercise that role here. If you are here, associate yourselves either with the woman of faith, the men in Christ, the youth for Christ, so much more. The ushers, the council, various departments, go there. You can learn and you can develop. 
You can go there also and teach. So, exercise your gifts. Romans 12.1 says, you give your body as a living sacrifice to God. And in Ephesians 4, going, we just have to honor God with everything that we do. Thanks be to God. Number six. Help preserve the gospel. It's our duty to help preserve the gospel. Look at Paul saying it in amazement in Galatians 1 6. Galatians 1 6 says, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning to a different gospel. Paul, I'm amazed. Wow! That so quickly you are turning to a different gospel. Hmm. So he abrades, he tells the members of the church, not the pastor, to reject even apostles or angels who teach false gospel. So it is your responsibility to know the gospel, what is right for the growth of the church and yourself. And God will grant you the discernment so that when false things are being preached within the church, God forbid, you will discern it and stand up against it. Amen? But how can you preserve the gospel if you don't know it? if you don't study it, if you don't meditate on it, if you don't ask the senior helper, the senior partner, the Holy Spirit, who knows all things to guide you into it. It is our job, especially in this generation that we live, to preserve the gospel for there is so much falsehood. Thanks be to God. Duty number six, what? Preserve, help preserve what? The gospel. Duty number seven, share the gospel. When you are rooted and grounded in it, you can share. But you can share it at different levels. Every man, woman, and child has some advantages. Some have influence. Some have power. By which they may bring others to the house of God. So, no matter who, what we are, and where we are, you have the capacity to share the gospel. For God, Christ, has given unto you the message of reconciliation. We are not to come to the church and be fed and be developed and sit here and enjoy ourselves, being comfortable, being peaceful. No. We are to come here, be built up, and then go out to get those in the world whom the Lord has sent us to. In fact, in some ways, Jesus said, compel them to know the light, the truth. Share the gospel. 
It is in doing this that the church can also grow in numbers. It is also when you are teaching that you will know where you don't understand and you will learn better or go to people who appreciate it. Don't think you don't know. You know something. Share the gospel. Remember, let's remember the high calling of all who are followers of Christ, even that of being what? Fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the master said in Luke chapter 14 and 23, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Why are we sitting here? You feed, you go out and help others. Duty number seven, share the gospel. Duty number eight, Before I say duty number eight, let's see what Matthew 28, 19 says. Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples of all nations. So we should not just sit here. Now, duty number eight is to support the church. To support the church. What do we support the church with? Remember that we said you should exercise your gifts. When you identify the gifts, it is developed and exercised here. You use it to support the gospel. You use it what? to support the gospel, the spread, the preservation of the gospel. But apart from that, the first one I said, I mean, you are using your talents to help support the gospel. You, would, you can also use how you have been resourced by God materially, financially to support the church. For example, as we sit here, there are bills to pay for light, water, rental, ground rent. To send people to pursue things in the interest of the gospel. And these bills are paid for by the contribution of all of us who are here. And by friends outside, friends of the church who also bring some donations. Without this, it's going to be very difficult. So in fact, your financial contribution also helps in evangelism. If you want to do great evangelism, move out to the villages. Not just stay in Accra. To go where people don't want to go and meet them. They are brothers. The God is in them. The spirit has to be stirred in them. We want to make them know so that we save them from the darkness they are in. Your financial contribution is needed. Father, in the name of Jesus, May everyone here and listening to me who th- thinks he is poor 
repent for you have not created anybody who is poor at this point lord in the name of jesus any blockers of destiny i command them out of anybody here your hands are blessed paul worked with his hands to promote the gospel may we also do the same amen 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 so duty number eight is what to support the church, church with your talents and treasure your finances thank you but listen listen to king david in second samuel chapter 24 verse 24 24 24 david said neither or neither will i offer burnt offering into the lord unto the lord my god of which cost me nothing david is saying he will not offer anything to the house of god which cost him nothing so he is going to give something he knows that it cost him because it is precious to him. Work. It is God, the Lord our God, who gives you power, gives me power to make wealth, to promote the gospel. If you don't work, you don't think you'll be blessed. But there is a principle. Second Corinthians 9 and 7 says, every man should give as he is able according to the blessing of the lord which he has given thee so i'm not going to compare with anybody when i look at how god has blessed me i give to support the church sometimes the church even helps the very aged who are unable to work and they're very young from contributions. But when you are able, capable, and you think you cannot repent, God give you the grace to work. And we support financial by tithes, offerings, special donations. Special donations. Let's give generously to build our church. Particularly as we set up the fund for the cathedral. God help us. Number nine. Now the last duty I have here. Wow. Is to support and honor the leadership of the church. Hebrews 13 and 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that will be of no advantage to you. So, as God calls me a pastor, your souls are my responsibility. And you should encourage the leadership of the church to help you. How do you encourage them? You give them honor. You listen to their teachings. This does not mean blind or allegiance, even when pastors or 
elders fail to lead and teach biblically. No. What it means that you are called to support, pray for them, adhere to the spiritual authority of those appointed to positions of church leadership. 1 Corinthians 1 Thessalonians 5 12 to 13 reads and we beseech you brethren to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves this question of peace keeps on coming and coming and coming so, so far, we've mentioned nine ways or duties that we as members owe the church, have to the church. Number one is, when I say, say it after me, pray for the church. Number two, attend church meetings regularly. At church church meeting regularly. Three, seek the peace, unity of the church. Three, seek the unity. The peace. The peace. Unity, and unity of, the of the church. Four, guard the good name of the church. Guard the good name of the church. Five, exercise your gifts for edification. Exercise your gift for edification. Six, help preserve the gospel. Help preserve the gospel. Seven, share the gospel. Share the gospel. Eight, support the church. Support the church. With your talents and treasure. With your talent and treasure. And nine, honor the leadership. Honor the leadership. Brothers and sisters, we are the body of Christ. Just as each part of us has a physical body, and every part of the physical body has a role to play. Each of us must also contribute to the assembly that they belong to. It is my prayer that God will strengthen us even with the word we have heard so that we will think about it and be practitioners of it. If you want to know the will of God, what do you do? You read the Bible. Yes. If you want to know the will of God, you read, read the, Bible, the Bible. Meditate on it. Study it. If you want to be led by the Holy Spirit, what do you do? You do, do the, the, Bible. the Bible. And if you want to be strengthened, refreshed by God, what do you do? You wait, wait on the Lord. Lord. All that we have said are duties. And duties are to be executed, are to be done. Amen. What you have to learn to do, you do by, you, you learn by what? Doing. doing it. What you have to learn to do, you learn by doing. doing it. You have heard. God strengthen us to do it. Amen. Amen. Amen.